You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian. Over at Sir Lucian Gaming, who doesn't have video camera problems this early in the morning at no. all, at all, all technical problems. We were five minutes away; everything was working. Screen flashed, mass hysteria, cats living with dogs. It's I don't know what to do now. Yeah, it was it was just done. like what? <laughs> so we're uh, on a phone camera. So Lucian, uh, yeah, he jumped on his phone camera, and that's what <laughs> he's using right now. Which is why we're on the the guest overlay, um, so specifically he <laughs> could sense. have a face and things like that. So, um, but hopefully we can hear everybody. I think we can. I got some audio. Um, no echoes. No There's echoes no that echo I can hear. Sides. So. Good. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. Hi everybody. So uh, we got ten minutes late. I'm, I apologize for that. But we'll we'll jump in and, and do the best to our abilities. Um, we're a Dungeons & Dragons talk show. Thank you for joining us. We're live Saturday mornings on uh, YouTube and Twitch. Um, you can search Saturday Morning D&D Show and find us there. Uh, the rumors. This is like the big thing I guess I wanted to talk about. But we have a lot of little cool things to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes as completely no surprise to me. But uh, some of the Discord circles that I'm in, they're like, hey, I, I got secret information. And people were talking back and forth. And I was like, oh, like what secret information do you have? Um, and they were saying that they had uh, an inside source that was saying Ooh. that Wizards is not going to have an open game license for... Uh, D and D five and a half or six edition or one D and D whatever we're calling it. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I should use one D and D because that's the terminology they're using. But they're not going to have a uh, open game license, which means that third party publishers will not be able to publish anything for it, and it'll be a lot like fourth edition. Fourth edition didn't have an OGL; everything was done in house, and uh, coincidentally, that is one of the driving factors that created Pathfinder because all of a sudden people couldn't make money off of this game. And so they were like, well, I'm going to go where I can make money. And you have very talented designers who are making very awesome stuff and they're not all working for wizards of the coast. So because Mm -hmm. of that, they, you know, turn around and they start making uh, Pathfinder stuff. And then all of a sudden Pathfinder shoots up and, uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why 4th edition didn't uh, wasn't as successful as Wizards wanted it to. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, Zris in, in chat here, I'm already thinking the same thing. Like, we would have, uh, we would, it would, it would make 5th edition stronger. It would not make 6th edition uh, better, I think, or... It might make it more lucrative for Wizards of the Coast, but a lot of people were saying, well, this is just going to push people into making better 5e content because we have an open game license for 5e. Or even revisiting 3e or 3.5 with the open game license and um, evolving it from there. Uh, what do you think about all this? And and is it a surprise to you that Wizards would be doing this? Or Hasbro, I should say. Not a surprise because they never really wanted. They're a money-making company yeah. from 
the moment they were created, the moment Gary Gygax was a money-making person, TSR was a money-making person. He didn't like person, it either, right? He didn't want Wizards people of the making... Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, I mean. Um, Gary Gygax. Like... But I think it also, during the OpenGL portion, came out right about when I think open license stuff in other areas of our culture, and I'm going to say mostly maybe probably American because I think what we started seeing back then during that time too, and I don't know what the year was, but like all of a sudden, like we're using OBS, open license, programming, open license. There's this push for people to have open free software, open free license, open free internet kind of stuff. And so I think at that point, maybe it did make sense to have a gaming system that was OpenGL, you know, open source in a way that people could then use. And they do make, I'm sure, plenty of money off of some licensing still with 5e. It's not like everything that's 5e that's made, they don't get a cut of. I think there are some things that they don't, but I also think they have plenty of licensing agreements that they're probably making a lot of money off of for 5e stuff. So, But yeah, I think if I'm a creator and all the Kickstarters are offering 5e variants of campaign worlds, rules, new stuff, then they come out with a 6th edition. I could just keep doing 5e stuff because yeah. it has a track, rec- track record of just selling really well because in reality, the system is pretty good, Yeah. right? I mean, it, it wouldn't sell that well if it wasn't good. I, I can't imagine anything else that makes it you know, if it was a bad system, it wouldn't work. Yeah, and we've talked about Wizards said that one D&D will be backwards compatible with 5th edition. Um, mm-hmm. And how uh, accurate that is, we have no idea yet. I'm leaning more towards you'll be able to use new one uh, D&D characters with older adventures, but I don't think you'll be able to use older characters with new adventures, maybe, um, with a few tweaking right. and stuff. Uh, right. But if you're... There's two things from this. If you're Hasbro and you own D&D and you're seeing million-dollar Kickstarter oh, after million-dollar Kickstarter and you're not getting a cent of that, uh, you're probably like, well, wait a minute. We made that company. We should be getting something for that. And Hasbro yeah. is notorious about protecting their intellectual property. Uh, that really is the Hasbro business. They're, they're not – they don't make new things – um, and I know Wizards of the Coast is like a part of Hasbro and, and Wizards does make new things, but like Hasbro itself has been like, let's take Transformers, let's take G.I. Joe, N- let's take this. And, yeah. and then they just hold on to it and they're like, oh, do you want to experience this again? Well, okay, but you got to pay us a bunch of money and then it's done. You know, you, you make your Transformers mm-hmm. movie, we're done. We're not doing this. So they're, they're very, that is their business, whether that, uh, whether you agree with that or not, it is. It is their business. Um, yeah. Well, and so, yeah. everybody's business, right? Though, because I couldn't just well, go out and make a Pathfinder second edition book using all the Pathfinder second edition rules and then just call it mine. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what I'm saying is Invisible like Invisible Sun, uh, or uh, no, you are correct. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not making Invisible Sun content. But uh, my point yeah. is, Hasbro isn't either. They don't no. make anything inherently GI Joe. They just have that intellectual property, and then they allow other people to make it for money. So it makes yeah. sense to them that they're like, "Well, if we have D and D, why don't why isn't 
uh, why is it Matt Coville paying us money to make fifth edition content? And I and I think that's the idea because they were doing it with one D and D, you know, like hey, one D and D, do mm-hmm. this, and that was the Hasbro model where we're like, we'll license you all of the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons stuff, um, but then you know it comes back and it's just like, uh. Well, we'll license you all the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and literally, fandom and one D and D, they didn't have to do anything. They just had to like, well, they didn't have to uh, create a brand and an image. That's kind of the idea that Hasbro thinks they're bringing to the table. But I think right. nowadays, it's like really those third party people are doing ninety percent of the legwork of making this a good product, and you're just reaping the benefits at the top. So now you have. Uh, going back to, I'm sure Hasbro is looking at these million-dollar Kickstarters, and they're like, why aren't we getting a cut of this? Uh, but what does this do for third-party publishers? And uh, we were just saying, I think that's going to really make it um, make 5th edition even stronger. And I think a lot well, less people OSR, might though, play too. Yeah. What about OSR? So it's basic D&D rules... Yeah, they don't have to pay. Like, Goodman Games and them don't have to pay Wizards of the Coast for the basic set rules, right? So That's if you because make of the OGL. Based on, yeah. But that's on the 3.5, right? That You're not Still using 3.5 rules in OSR, are you? Uh, you don't necessarily have to. But, like, I if you're you using, using like Redbox rules. If you're using any of the rules that were in the 3rd edition OGL or the 5th edition OGL, uh, you kind of... it's it's oh. It's uh, there's so two OGLs. I gotcha. There is. I thought uh, only the fifth edition one existed. I didn't realize nope. there was a third edition OGL yep. also. Okay, that so, makes more sense. There so, is. Yeah. So we already uh, see what happens. OGL version one was for third edition, and then um, OGL version one dot zero A is the fifth edition like sub variant of it. Got um, it. And okay. in fourth edition, I'm just reading this now. I, I didn't know this, but fourth edition had a royalty free license called the Game System License, but that was uh, apparently so that was not nearly as popular. Because <laughs> they tried G- to take it back. The Game yeah. System License is incompatible with the OGL, and so fifth edition was kind of a big thing where it's like it we're actually going to use that same OGL for third edition, which was you can just make stuff as long as you're not using copyrighted materials. So you can't, I can't copy and paste the fifth edition player's handbook or adventures or anything like that into my game, but I can use those same concepts of advantage, disadvantage, uh, roll to hit, things like that. And so that terminology is really what it yeah. came down to. And with fifth edition, it allowed you to make, because of the system reference document, I could make subclasses and that was huge. So. I wonder if there's a video out there that says things you're not allowed to use because this document says, like, is critical hit somehow trademarked to them? Or is, things roll that in, are, like, uh, you know how we said roll initiative, who, yeah. who come up with the whole, I wonder in that how many of those things are somehow they own or you can't now use in any other. Yeah, game. so I've I've read it because I was really curious. Um, and it's it's a big document the system reference document specifically for fifth edition um but it it gives you a handful of races like uh uh dwarf and elf and human and things like that and he, and it's like here are the characteristics for these so that's mm-hmm. kind of like a template that you can use to create your own races as long as you're not um like you need, you can even tweak dwarf and stuff like that but i couldn't use haduzi i couldn't use plasmoid 
Like I can't put those in my game yeah. because they're not in the system reference document. Um, another thing is spells. There's a whole list of all of the, the spells. And I, I, I've been referring to them as the public domain spells where <laughs> they're, they're in the system reference document. It's very open. Um, but you can't use the word tensor for tensors floating discs. So it's just right. magic floating disc or floating disc. You can't use Mordenkainen. You can't use that word. So there's there's copyright words, but there's not really copyright mechanics. But it again, if it's not in the system reference document, like plasmoids are not in the the SRD, then I can't use it in my game. And it's a it's a fine line. Nobody can really decide this except for a judge in a in a copyright court of law. Uh, but I guarantee Hasbro has better lawyers than I do, and so a lot of third party mm -hmm. people are like, well, we're gonna stick to that pretty pretty hard, you know. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I think it'll be, I mean, we see it because Goodman Games obviously is, you know, running a business based off of OGL stuff, basically, right? I mean, so they're able to survive and exist and create new products and have a thriving community based off of kind of the latching on to the OSR community. Of no, and that's because Paizo worked, SRD. Yeah. Paizo yeah. worked hand in hand with Wizards of the Coast for third edition. Like they, yeah. they created a lot of their, uh, helped create a lot of their adventures. Um, I believe uh, Paizo even created the Tyranny of Dragons adventure for Wizards of the Coast for fifth mm -hmm. edition because they wanted a starting adventure, but they were too busy working on the player's handbook in 2014. So it's like, okay, yeah. we'll create that for you. I wonder if the silver lining would be, like, if you were to say, what is a good outcome? We're, we're yeah. thinking, like, the negative outcome would be, well, everybody will just stay doing 5e stuff, and Hasbro's, you know, wants more money, so they're going to fight it wherever they can to get everybody on the 6 or whatever. But maybe a, a, a sunnier look at it, rose-colored glass way, would be maybe it forces people to do kind of like what you're doing with exploring making mechanics and systems and get away from the reliance on 95% of the tabletop role-playing Kickstarters out there right now are 5e based, right? So maybe we'll start getting 2d6 systems. Maybe we'll start getting pool dice systems again. Maybe we'll get percentage dice systems again. Maybe we'll get 2d6 plus stat systems again. Maybe we'll get, you know, all these other styles because it's that finally that impetus to say, let's stop using 5e <laughs> as our thing, though it is the popular thing. And that's what everybody does their Kickstarter on because they get hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. up to millions, really. Yeah. I mean, Kogos. Yeah. No, I don't. Out. And I, I, yeah. So people in chat are correcting me that it was actually Kobold Press that made Tyranny of Dragons. And I, yeah, you're oh, right. I get yeah. Paizo and Kobold Press confused sometimes. That's so I apologize. Um, so I, uh, I agree. I there's a there's a that outcome where people might try other games. Um, I think nice. another outcome is that uh, companies like, and I'm just going to keep using MCDM as an example, where they're like, "Hey, we've got all these rules. We've got these. I've got a monster book now. Um, why don't we just make a player's handbook? And they can make their own player's handbook with the OGL. Uh, they can include the like four classes that are available." in the system reference document, but then they make all their own, you know, regular ones. Uh, and I was thinking back to that, that video game that we played, uh, Salasta. 
and they used the OGL and they had like the terminology of like, you can be a, I think it was like the light cleric, but after level three, they had to come up with all of their own stuff. And so the light cleric goes in a very different direction and it wouldn't surprise Mm -hmm. me if we get, you know, mazes and monsters or something silly like that, or uh, I don't know. Colvilles and cauldrons and it's like some <laughs> some mcdm product that he makes that's like pseudo 5e um but talking about this with some friends i think the real game changer is critical role and if critical role adopts one D, then a lot of other people will adopt one D. but if critical role says well we want to make our own custom content for Dungeons and Dragons because they themselves are a content creation company. They don't want to like piggyback off of Wizards of the Coast. They're they want to sell Taldore, you know, books about everything and they want to sell all this other stuff. Uh unless they decide to partner with Wizards of the Coast and make more critical role featured books for one D D, uh that's a that's a possibility. But if they don't, I think I think Critical Role is bigger than Wizards of the Coast. And I think that they could say, oh, well, we'll make our own game. And everyone will be like, oh, well, I'm going to play the Critical Role version of D&D. And they'll jump ship. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, it's such weird. A lot of people have made that same argument. But they also, because if you remember, when they start that in Geek and Sundry, their home game is a Pathfinder game. And for the start of the show, I'm there for the first couple of episodes when Geek and Sundry brings it on there because I'm a huge fan of Will Wheaton and he was doing a lot of role play stuff, but he they weren't touching D and D yet. And then they talked about this critical role show that was going to come on and it was going to be you know they were going to do this long running home campaign and they were going to use the new fifth edition rules. And yeah. so that's the only reason I jumped on it because I was wanting to learn fifth edition at that point. So it made sense for me to look for that. But I, so I've seen lots of weird speculations and videos about what if they had just stayed with Pathfinder? Yeah, I don't think there's any chance Pathfinder becomes as big as D&D is now if they would have stayed with that system. Uh, No, but I think I agree with you. I think my argument now is that Critical Role is powerful now. Like now, so not now thinking about like power. what they do. Like I think they they they're not going to jump ship as in like, hey guys, we're switching over to Pathfinder. I don't think they'll do that. But if they, they take the fifth edition that's worked for them and tweak it with a critical role style, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know if they would. What if be... they create their own system? Exactly, Just, it's the yeah. critical role system. Yeah, he's already making uh, board games and stuff, and and then we were thinking, think about all of those amazing. Uh, game creators out there that if Wizards of the Coast like burns people with no OGL and Critical Role says, oh, come come over here. Like, come make content for our game. All of a sudden, boom. Like, a Kobold Press would hmm. love to make content for a Critical Role-focused game, you know? So. I think it'll be whatever Stranger Things does. If Stranger Things changes and stays with 5e... <laughs> well... Stranger Things will stick with uh, 1980-something. Yeah. 80s rules. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, 
it does it makes sense all companies try to grab they, their IPs never wanted and strangle them yeah they want you to pay like you know music companies want you to pay every time you hear it not that you could just buy a song and own it right every video wants to be that way every company that has an intellectual property which yep. is all of gaming music entertainment video stuff everybody's trying to grab that that kind of thing yeah. so i just and this, wonder this isn't the company or or i would say that is the company but like i know for a fact that uh chris perkins and, and a lot of the people they like the ogl they like what it does for the community so don't don't go vilifying them when we say wizards of the coast it literally is the lawyers who are just like well this is how we make more money you know, yeah. or somebody it's those, it's those same people that are, work in pharmaceuticals where they're like, well, if we increase the price of insulin a thousand percent, we would make more money. And you're like, yeah, but what are you doing? Like, you do what? And they don't, don't think because they're just the like, this is how you yeah. make money. It's like, well, yeah. yeah, but it's wrong. I don't know. So uh, not to equate RPGs to insulin. Uh, but I hope you get my point. To pharmaceutical <laughs> malfeasance. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd but go there, that. That's a bridge people, too far, they, Jordan. <laughs> they look at it and they're just like, how do we make money with this? They do want to so, make money. And we always uh, have to remember that a company wants to make money. No company goes in typically into business without wanting to make money. Even nonprofits are trying to make money so they can do more. Yeah. They just are not trying to make a huge profit technically. So I would be careful of vilifying anybody that decides to try to improve their business and and if it fails, just fail by spending your money elsewhere. Don't fail by, you know, jumping on a, a boycott or a, you know, a burn the place down mm. kind of thing. Just say, okay, I'll spend my money with uh, Monty Cook Games because I love Monty Cook yeah. Games. Or I'll spend my money with this and just, that's I just the started listening to a Invisible Sun actual play. It's been a lot of fun. So. I just saw another book must be an expansion book in my game store that was it's the square shape that's how i knew immediately yeah. it was an invisible sun book and it looked like it was a book about more of the city maybe i didn't know if there yeah city of saturine yeah yeah so i think there's an but it wasn't in the cube or anything no. it, it was off on its own yeah so i, I obviously there are some other books for invisible yeah sun. i i, I have all of them i i went i went haywired with that so <laughs> there's a there's a book called like secrets of saturine which is all about the city um, there's a, a, another there's like a monster manual that they came out with uh it's ah. green i forget the name of it um and then like there's another book of spells and that book came with uh cards as well for all the spells so got it yeah that's very cool um anyway we yeah interesting this is something this is a huge topic and uh, i kind of want to make another video on it at some point uh separate from that the saturday morning but they yeah. have to change the name that's like if that rumor you're saying is true it confirms they have to change the name. They can't keep it as five something because that will not work if they're going to try to separate it from the OGL and try to separate it and say this is its own thing and you can't do that anymore. That means it has to be sixth edition then, right? Yeah, or or it has to be one D&D &D or something because An they have to name, say yeah. this is this and then you are not allowed to say uh, my game is compatible with D&D sixth edition because it doesn't have an OGL even though it might be compatible. Makes me wonder yeah. how many people are going to make like, like conversion kits that are kind of like, like I could see a company making a game or making a supplement, yeah. and then somehow like a conversion kit gets leaked out on the internet. So it's like, oh, but mm -hmm. if I if I buy this, I could use this conversion kit. Yeah. So here's the stats for if you're playing sixth edition. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like just tweak it like this. So. 
Um, in our notes, I think I wrote Kickstarter, but I didn't put anything under it, so maybe I was... I, I had wrote it because I okay. saw one that was really good, and then I was forgot the name just as my camera fiasco oh, was happening. Okay. So I didn't get to go back and look it up. Um, did you Have you done any Kickstarters in the last month or so? What's your last Kickstarter you you backed while I'm getting back to where I wanted to find Um, it. There was a horror uh, haunted house creation RPG that I think was by the same people that did Alice is Missing, which was the texting RPG where you're looking for your friend Alice. um, That is now going to be turned into a book or a movie. Um, The one I just backed or uh, this uh, month it actually has nine hours to go <laughs> i should share this because i think it looks really cool <laughs> but it's called home the haunted house map building rpg um and i thought it was really cool uh it it's just kind of uh it's not like a long form rpg it really does feel kind of like alice is missing where you'll play it like a few times uh but i like the idea of building a haunted house with your friends like part of the part of this uh, process is like coming up with this haunted house, um, and it looks really cool. Like I think it, I think it's a cool idea for an RPG, and I don't know. So this was the last one, and then um, Kids on Bikes Two Second Edition just finished, and that is also on my list of potentials. Um, a lot of Kickstarters coming in though. I should be getting yeah. Crypt of the Devil Lich for Fifth Edition mm-hmm. and DCC. I should be mm-hmm. getting. Uh, DCC number 100 should be coming in soon and lots of DCCs. Uh, DCC Undying Earth will be coming in, which if you subscribe to the Jocular Junction, the plan is to make big, big reviews on all of I think WebDM and Venture Maidens is almost done too. Venture Maidens, the PDF is done. Uh, if you subscribe to that, you can go get the PDF now. Uh, WebDM, the PDF is almost done from what I've heard. And the Venture Mm -hmm. Maidens book should be shipping out soon. And I just got, uh... Uh, and I just got a, uh, notification saying that my Monty Cook or my MCDM book is, uh, being finally shipped, uh, Kingdoms and Warfare. So, uh, Zris yeah. wants to point out to you, Lucian, that your camera is excellent today. It just looks so oh, good. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I know. That is because Thanks. it is a, uh, cell phone that is, he is yes, locked in yes. with. <laughs> if I went to the back camera it would be even better. This is even the front facing camera, let alone so if funny. I turned it around. I have thought about going on a tech tangent here to use phones i bought like a what's the google one the pixel i was thinking about using a pixel 6 right now or a pixel 7 to use as my phone for my podcast and everything just to be get rid of these you know usb yeah i know a couple youtubers that use their phones primarily for their video and here i have my canon dslr and a lot of times it looks better because the the hardware behind it but um Yeah, they're like, I thought it was just like Lucian looks so good today. Everyone in chat Man, is he just looks like awesome. <laughs> well thanks guys that his I camera so is not normal. <laughs> Which you have a pretty Back good to Kickstarter. Camera, I don't want to talk about how good I look. <laughs> this is bad. Uh the one I saw that made me bring this up is I was watching there's a really good podcast, um, UK or their they're either UK or they're Welsh or one of the countries that are over there in the United Kingdom, because there are a few countries that make that area up. They do a tabletop gaming channel also, and I think their their quality is top effing notch. Like, they are really good at their stuff. 
in their show, they do a uh, either a weekly or a monthly show where they go out and do the same thing that we do with news and all the stuff that's around there. They're more focused towards tabletop war games, but they they span everything just to you know have a nice big show. Yeah, they pointed out it's a guide to dragon bonding, a D and D five E supplement. And when you kind of scroll through this, made out of Mexico City, Mexico, um, it's on Kickstarter right now. It's got 19 days to go. It's already made its goal, so it will pledge. But look at some of the artwork in this. Look at some of the things you can do when you scroll through this. Maybe Jordan can put it in chat at some point. Yeah. Or you can just look it up on Kickstarter. It's called Itza's, I-T-Z-A hyphen S, Itza's Dragon Bond. And it's about adding more dragons to your Dungeons and Dragons, which I thought was kind of a cool. Eight subclasses, dragon broods. It has rules for aerial dragon riding combat. I mean, everybody needs that. New monsters, new spells, you know, um, classes, the Dragon Hunter, the Dragon Herald, and the Vala Adept. This all sounds super cool. Um, And I just found the artwork looked really good. That DM screen is fantastic. This art reminds me of like Magic the Gathering level, Dungeons and Dragons level art. They've got some really cool styles of dragons that are going to, it kind of feels like it has a um, feel from different cultures even. So like you get, you know how like a a Chinese or a, a Japanese dragon in art looked different than say, the European dragons, they had a, a different kind of body shape and look and the way the wings are. And then, so I feel like there's even some in here, like even the Kotal one looks really cool. It's got the feathers all over it and it just seems really cool. Undead dragons and scaled dragons and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And just look at some of those monsters in there that just look really crazy. So I just want to point this one out. I think this is my next one I'll be backing um probably in the next couple of days i just had like yeah. you said i have a bunch of kickstarters coming in 19 days um, to go on that one um yeah. so uh you might be interested they they sponsored a couple of videos and i did nice. a flip through of their early doc in uh i think it was early october or the end of september and i've got another video that i'm working on i was actually going to finish recording and editing it tonight uh, where I go over the playtest rules that they've incorporated. Nice. Uh, but I, I, the first video that I did, I talked a lot about the world. And it's really interesting because dragons live on the moon. And they yes. come down every 27 years to... Uh, it's like a, a spell allows them to return to the Earth. Uh, and there's a whole mechanic of... It's called Dragon Bond because you can you can tie your soul with a dragon and then you literally have like a dragon that will become part of the party and run around with you. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's an amazing uh, supplement. And this is the kind of thing I'm talking about where like 5e, like Wizards of the Coast is doing a great job with 5e. But then you mm-hmm. see something like this and you're just like, holy cow, like this is this, this is, is awesome. Stuff. Like I want to play this, you know, and mm-hmm. It makes me think to like Sly Flourish is currently running a D&D 5e game where he's using the PHB and then all Kobold Press stuff. And he's running it in Midgard by Kobold Press, which is their in-home world. Really, And it's like, guys, it's doable. Like we don't Mm -hmm. need Wizards of the Coast to play 5th edition, you know? And that's what makes me think that products like this make me think uh, Critical Role could really take the game into whatever direction they want. 
mm-hmm. and they'll call it you know and i think with these guys they build the rpg campaign <laughs> world right this is a whole campaign setting it's a setting i don't it's know if there's books. another book it's, it's from what i from what what i've been communicating with the people because of the sponsorship it's three books uh it's um basically like monsters uh player rules and then uh a mini campaign uh slash the world so like you can have you know all this stuff and mm-hmm. so uh yeah but i lo- i loved the mechanics like it really got me interested the dragon bonding mechanics because you share hit points uh so inst- if i have 50 hit points and my dragon has 25 we now collectively have 75 hit points so mm-hmm. if an aoe hits us we take double damage but like my dragon could run in and yeah and if it goes down i go down it's it's kind of a cool mechanic like i thought it really worked it it made pets more efficient I think it's so. so funny because we did not plan at it all. I just happened to see it on another no, podcast that I really I think like to watch. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm going to bring this to the show. And I think this is really the good. kind of thing where you're like, <laughs> like I, I specifically don't try to like push products on people. Uh, yeah. But you know, when somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, I want you to like review my product. I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool. And so That's I don't cool. take every sponsorship. And so, uh, the fact that I took this one, it was like, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. And it's, cool. it's, uh, and like videos. I said, it's out of Mexico city, Mexico. And so they have a lot of like mm-hmm. cultural kind of cool dragony things. Like, uh, the, the Mesoamerican stuff is really cool in the book. So Very you should cool. definitely well, check. I'm glad it. I pointed it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I can't wait to see your videos. I'll keep an eye out. Is that on main channel or is that on your, that's on the main channel. Yeah. Cause they want to sponsor channel. a main, main channel, channel thing. That makes so. sense. Um, so it, and it'll be one. up shortly. Uh, I've just been so busy. I'm in a play, so I'm like rehearsing and like rehearsing and being a dad and trying to do other stuff and uh, running that Thursday game. I'm like, oh my god, so really busy. So but, I should be getting my um, Secret World pretty soon. I did. Ooh. I also backed Dragon Bane, but that was from um, Free a League and you know, yeah, Free League. Free League. And so I'm waiting on that one, and that should be coming pretty soon. And then Everyday Heroes is coming pretty soon. So that was the other ones. But I think I really feel like I am going to back this one. This dragon one sounded really cool. I just love the artwork, too. Just even to flip through, it looks like it's really good. It reminds me of, like, the Wild Sea one where I'm just looking at the artwork, and I'm just like, I don't care what's in this book. I don't care what they put in it because the artwork is so good. I just like looking through it and going... Oh, sometimes imagine those, adventure there. They're just fun to read oh. sometimes, you know? Yeah, imagine like, this character to yeah. play. You know, it's just so good. So, And I've been reading lots of role-playing books. We'll see that here if we still have time towards the end, if I didn't mess all that up. But that's our Kickstarter stuff. I thought I saw that one. And if you guys really do like the other channel, and I don't, they don't know us from anything from Adam, um, Tabletop the um, is their, yeah, what's the their YouTube channel. So they're on, on Tabletop all one word in YouTube. They have a really cool uh, logo too, which is two T's for tabletop, but it makes the tabletop game, which I think is kind of cool. They've been around forever. They do a great podcast, every kind of, you know, vlog kind of thing about new games, Kickstarters. They did in this same show, they talk about board games that are coming out. They talk about TTRPGs that are coming out. They talk about what's happening in the, um, the make the stuff at your home minis, uh, 3d printing space, you know, they're like, Oh, check this things out. So they're really cool. They're, you know, I believe they're Irish or English. I can't, I can't remember where they're at. So they have a really cool show. I really like it. Cool. Um, check them out. So, 
I think they were sponsored. They when I found them when just as Geek and Sundry was going, and Geek and Sundry had them on some of their shows doing gaming news for a bit, and then they broke off when Geek and Sundry went and did more other things. But that's when I found these guys way back in the day. Mm. Um, and they've got a cool website that they built themselves. You can get games and stuff from them, and they do they do con- tons of cool content. So check them yeah, out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll uh, do the old subscribe and check them out. I like them. Are you ready for some Paizo stuff? I looked up some Paizo because we sure. really didn't have anything D&D-wise because the last release we're waiting for is Dragonlance. They didn't have any other videos on their channel. Yeah, um, I did see a blurb on Twitter about the surveys going out or is about to be done or make sure you get it in because the deadline's almost happened. Yeah. So maybe we're about to see some new stuff, but we haven't yet. So we've really kind of not had in the I last week I think late week or next so week, the D&D. preview copies of Dragonlance will get out, but they're, they're gearing up for Pax Unplugged, which is December 6th. Yeah. Um, Wizards, I mean. Show. So like, uh, Watsi's gearing up for that. Uh, but Dragonlance. And so I think after, after Pax Unplugged, we'll get lots of new information. Cause we gotta know so. what the new next book is, right? Yeah. yeah. We gotta know what the next hype is. So we'll know. And we'll know that that's going to be the 2023 stuff. Cause that's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think we'll get. And Planescape really, they announced it. So it's probably going to be a lot of Planescape information. I so. hope it's that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, what's but happening with I did find Paizo? some Paizo stuff. So they're doing a really cool thing. Um, they have an event called Toys of Boundless Wonders. And this is a this is one charity that's actually kind of near and dear to my heart. And I don't come on and try to have you guys, you know, sign up for all the charities that we're a part of or anything like that. But Toys for Tots has always been one that not only in like a charity that I like to give to, and it's happened at work sometimes every now and then, but it also aligns with what I do in my other hobby, which is, you know, the the medieval reenactment group that I'm a part of and I'll put my armor on and go do stuff. It's the one charity that usually during the Christmas time we do a Toys for Tots tourney. And so all the people that are going to come and fight in that tournament, the way you get in is to bring two toys and you put those in. Mm-hmm. And then the Marines come and pick them up at the end of the day and you get to meet them. And we all have a great time doing a fun tournament, you know, and stuff and hanging out with friends. And then there's this just giant box of toys that get to go to kids, right? Yeah. So one of my favorite um things to do because anybody can just you know go buy some toys for some kids and, and hand them out and i love the idea of like putting in their D starter sets or something or pathfinder starter sets or mm-hmm. just cool stuff that you know kids could just pick up and say hey i get to play with this with my friends so paizo's doing one and it's being put together by game stores that are willing to do toys for top drop off locations because just like you can do you know santa's outside target or something salvation army kind of stuff they will pick places where you can put a box for toys for tots. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm hoping that I'm going to go check with my game store a little bit later after our show today to see if they're If they would be willing to do a toys for tots location. I'll try, I'll talk to the people that here and then they're going to offer games and stuff. People are going to DM games for a day or two. And the way you get into the game and get to play is you buy a toy from the store that you're in. So if I go to fanfare and it's a comic book store with games and toys and all kinds of stuff right there in the store, go buy something, Put it in the box, sit down, I'll run a game for you for, you know, a couple hours, play some role-playing games or board games or whatever, play some Magic the Gathering, you know, matches or whatever, just something fun uh, to try to promote that a little bit. So I thought that was really cool. I think it's cool that Paizo, Paizo's really showing to be a company that is diving into the mainstream of inclusive inclusivity being good to its employees being good to its community being good to you know the people in general 
And I think it really shines with, you know, the types of charities and things they do. So I think that's cool. The other thing they had that I thought was really neat that's out this month is they have an interstellar species book for Starfinder, which is a really cool book. I mean, it has not only do you have lots of species that you can use in your games if you're playing Starfinder. I was thinking about using it for like Star Trek games or mm-hmm. Star Wars games, anything that's going to have lots of different alien types and species that are out there. But it also has rules to create them. Oh, it has that's some, cool. It has a class. You know, it has a bunch of NPCs that you can use, and it's a really diverse kind of how do you fill your universe if you're doing science fiction games, but I guess you could use it really for anything. Um, How do you fill your world with a really diverse community of different species, not just humans and elves and dwarves, or not just, you know, your typical Vulcans and... and, um, Klingons and I guess uh, Andorans I guess maybe if I go that route or what would be the Star Wars equivalent what would be um, I don't even know uh, Star Wars would be like your your Admiral Akbar's I don't your know. Yodas your Ewoks <laughs> yeah your Ewoks your, your Chewbacca's uh, which would be your Wookies there you go your Wookies your Mandalorians I don't know they're, they're probably mostly human but anyways I thought that was kind of cool that you could really flesh out and fill out and I like books that allow you to create these things this would be good I think for you people that like to play mutant um, OSR stuff the the um, you play DCC a lot but there's also MCC which is also yeah. quite popular mutant crawl classics um, or mutant classic yeah mutant, mutant crawl, crawl classics class. yep yep yeah, yeah. Um, there's lots of different species there because you can do a lot of different mutants and different yeah. things there too. So I think uh, uh, well, there's and there's aliens and all kinds of stuff. You yeah, know, there's so. there's actual mutants where you're you you yeah. were human but you were mutated. But there's also sentient plants in that game where you're plantians. Yeah. And then there's yeah. the animal sentient animals, which I forget their names. Uh, uh, I was about to say like anamorphs, but that's that's not right at all. Um, but yeah, no. <laughs> right. And so if you like playing those things, you know, and in um, the Umerica, which is like the destroyed America for Dungeon mm-hmm. Crawl Classics, they have the Greys, which are the gray aliens that you can play, and you can play robots and stuff yeah, in that. Perfect. So gray aliens. There you yeah. go. Like you could run an X Files game with oh, those fun. you know, those different ones. That would be really cool. And then I threw the last one, a little note in here, because I know you love Toma Beast. Toma Beast three, Tome of Layers three, and I think it was Tome of Minions three, or they have a whatever their name for it is. Um, for the 5e version, they're putting out 5e versions of these books too. Is coming out in December, so you can get those if you but want. Those to pick are those up. that's Cobalt Press, isn't it? Tome. Uh, it was on the Paizo's website. Ah. There you go. Uh, so I don't know so if they're have... a partner to that or. Yeah, that's Cobalt Press. Well, this is the Creature Codex, but Tome of Beasts. Yeah, I think they have their own. I think Paizo did theirs. Did oh, okay. Anyway, I do like the. I do like the uh, Kobold Press or the uh, Creature Codex and Tome of Beasts. I have Tome of Beasts 1 and 2. I don't think I'm going to get 3 because I have a lot of monsters. But just uh, in my Modron game the other day, I was like, I need like a cool alchemist. And I couldn't find anything in official documents. And sure enough, I start flipping through the Creature Codex and I found exactly what I needed. And I'm like, this is awesome. So it was an alchemist elf that would attach vials to a bow and then fire an arrow that did uh, a bunch of extra stuff. So there you go. I put the link in there. For yeah, you. yeah. Um, and I like the the tone. I think 
Paizo and um, Cobalt Press, I think, have done great jobs on monster books. Um, I think I've used them manual and maybe even Mordekainen or Volos. I think I've used these other ones even more than those ones, I think. I think I've used third-party stuff more when it oh, comes I definitely to monsters have, yeah. and stuff. And I will say that I, I definitely have stronger, because when I was running most of my 5th yeah. edition there was the Kobold Fight Club that specifically couldn't incorporate a lot of uh, wizard stuff because of lawsuits, but Kobold Press and them were like, oh yeah, throw all our monsters in there. So that was like the go-to uh, encounter generator for a while was Kobold Fight Club. Um, but yeah, Toma Beast 3. It's, uh, it's, that yeah. is Kobold Press. It looks like it's on the Paizo website because they're, uh, I don't know. They're a partner they're of it or something? Cross-promoting, yeah. who knows? But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, well, here's what I, I like this little line they have on the thing. Uh, this brings you void knights and breakwater trolls, musk deer and fiend lords, prismatic dragons and royal chimeras, stained glass moths. That sounds super cool. Void claw zombies. Okay, you have my attention. Tar golems. Come on. Witch willows. That sounds cool. Cobalt drake riders and hellfire giants. I mean, yeah. Every single one of those I want in my campaign. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't one there I didn't want in my campaign. Uh, Zris says really that cool. Paizo prints Cobalt Press's books. So they partner oh, together. Okay. So that's probably why they're like, pre-order it, and then we'll know how many yeah. books to print. So Dritz has all the info. Maybe we should have this person on our show yeah, sometime. We, yeah, well, you know, they're they're here <laughs> every week. All stuff. Doing awesome yeah. stuff. We started the Paizo section for them because they, they love Pathfinder. So. <laughs> They're keeping us honest. They're keeping us honest. Well, that's good. I'm still reading through those books. I'm still, this coming year, 2023, with the Roll20 and the Kingmaker and the other um, 5e adventures that are getting on Roll20 right now for Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, but I want to do Pathfinder 2nd Edition games. And Roll20 is doing a lot more content for them to help me out as a brand new Dungeon Master. So I'm hoping 2023 is the year. Because you can play second edition on, on Roll Twenty, right? Like Pathfinder. Yeah, they've, got, they've yeah. got stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's just not not there. as like polished, I guess. Is some? No, I shouldn't say polished, but it's very. Uh, it's that that user interface is not what you're expecting. You kind of want like a D and D Beyond user. Interface. Yeah, the only thing yeah. they didn't have was the character Mancer piece, which is the thing that really did what D and D Beyond does better now. Yeah. But if you look back two years ago. The character master that they had brought out on Roll20 was just as good as anything D&D Beyond had. And that's why I had went to it, because it made it easier for me to teach people how to play 5e and build characters because the way the character sheet generated and, and helped with all the rules. Now D&D Beyond has, has advanced far enough that they're a much better product than that. But I was really hoping for a Pathfinder 2e version of that. And we'll get that with Nexus. I think that's really my my big thing when we have something that helps people build characters in an easy understandable way and we're not trying to figure out is that how the rule reads or is that what they meant by this mm -hmm. thing and it really just puts it on the character sheet and we go oh okay we get 2d5 plus this for our hp now that makes total sense you know i think that's when i'm really going to be ready to dive into it because they have so many good products over at paizo i hate not to play them i hate to miss out on them i hate not to run them for players so that's my Paizo news. Um, did Jordan get to play some some role playing games in the last week since we met? I did. Yeah, I I've been playing a lot. It feels like and reading a lot. Um, but I No Man's Sky. No Man's and Sky. lots of No Man's Sky. Actually, I started I started playing Vampire Survivors again, which is a very dangerous oh. rabbit hole game. But if you haven't picked up that game, Lucian, I think it's only like two dollars. 
Yeah. And I've it's been hearing about it. Amazing. Like <laughs> amazing. And it starts out very like, oh, this is kind of like a simple like little flash game and then uh just weird things start happening. Um I was definitely playing and the whole screen like got weird and glitched out and I'm like, what is going on? And then when I went back to the levels, there's a weird glitched out level now. And, and the description is, uh, do you see this too? This probably shouldn't be here. And it's like they're, they're totally playing into the funny nice. aspect of it. So, um, But no, I played uh, Dutch Crawl Classics. So my um, DCC game where we're running through Hot Springs Island. Friends came over. A uh, lot of combat, a lot of running around. And a lot of combat because I just kind of randomly generated situations for them which is one of the reasons that i love hot springs island is i can kind of be like okay yeah oh you find this like what do you want to do and they jump in um they found a nest of electric uh birds that are kind of like wingless or flightless griffins that can shoot electricity and they decided to run up and cause some problems and uh the birds did uh did destroy them pretty much and they they fled they were like okay <laughs> these guys are tough them. i'm like oh yeah they are um yeah. which is another thing i like about this is they can't judge how difficult something's gonna be because sometimes they're like 12 foot salamander and they you know knock it down in two hits and they're like oh a bird i should be able to take a bird and i'm like well the bird has like eight times more hit points <laughs> than the salamander but you don't know that and all of a sudden they're being yeah. paralyzed by lightning and it's like what's going on so uh lots of fun there i i should do I don't have time for this, but I really want to do a game journal like I did back in the day uh, where I just kind of talk about like, this is what happened. This is what I think I did wrong. This is what I did. I think right. Kind of what this show turned into, but I feel like we we're more covering news now than we're talking about our personal. That is true. We used to talk more about our, because it was like, how do we become better dungeon masters? Did I make the right decision? You know, and the the show's evolved, but maybe we could get back to that at some point. We can bring that back. (laughs) <laughs> um, I did play Great Modron March. I ran that. We had lots of fights uh, as our players went to a Modron deconstruction house, which is um, a very creepy thing. As they walked in and they were vivisecting Modrons inside this like tower warehouse oh, thing. Poor Modrons. Um, yeah, to grab parts and then replace human parts with those parts. So you'd see like humans walking around with big Modron arms and stuff. Uh, it's just some weird magical experiments going on, and they don't really know why. Um, we ended on a pretty big cliffhanger, so st- stay tuned next week for what's going to happen there. And then uh, my friend Lex was like, hey, I want to run this World of Dungeons supplement that uh, he found. So me and some friends, we played through a Powered by the Apocalypse game called World of Dungeons. And I was a magic user, summoner, wizard thing. Uh, and we had a lot of fun. We kind of just... It was a, it's a really interesting supplement that he found, which is why he wanted to run it. World of Dungeons is a free game that you can find on itch.io. And me and Lex did a review of it on uh, Games with Lex over on the Jocular Junction. And then he found this really cool supplement that he wanted to like try. And so we, we went through that. And then uh, I randomly discovered the 1989 Ghostbusters tabletop RPG. And I've been mm-hmm. reading through that, and it's really good. Like really good uh the original box set came with um when during character creation you also have to fill out your last will and testament because they have to know where all of your stuff goes when you die because you will die but the whole idea Mm -hmm. is that you're starting a ghostbusters franchise in wherever you're at so you're like oh i'm in you know 
like Dubuque, Iowa, and we're going to open our own Ghostbusters franchise. And then you have all of the problems of running your ghost extermination uh, service here in Dubuque, and Iowa. All of the funniness, it's all of the so, hilarity. And it's all written tongue in cheek. It was super funny. Yeah. I, I guess it was really popular. And I think it's the first one that uh, West End Games uh, or kind of like launched them. And they later became very popular by making the Star Wars RPG um, oh, back in yeah. the, the late 80s, 90s. So this is the 1989 Ghostbusters RPG. Uh, it's out of print, but you can find PDFs if you look hard enough. And it's uh, that's how I'm reading it. It's very fun. So, um, But yeah, what are you doing cool. in RPGs? So, Well, we played on our new night Thursday. Um, we were mowing through lots of hobgoblins and uh, on the level and kind of going through another area of it looks like they maybe they just took it over and i don't think we're too far out from going down lower now so the i think the levels are getting more smaller and focused as we go deeper but dangerous and more quirks to them so i think we're gonna start going through them pretty quickly uh, one thing we were doing that i thought was interesting and maybe i'll kind of put it in next week's notes because we'll we'll run over a tiny bit today um i started kind of talking to my dungeon master from down under Australian dungeon master about a new magic item that I wanted. Cause I wanted to be able to cast on like a, a long rest kind of equivalent only once I want to be able to cast the enlarge spell. And I don't have access to that as the, you know, arcane archer slash cleric. Mm-hmm. So I could try to, you know, do some more multi-class shenanigans or feet shenanigans to try to, you know, somehow find a way to get access to that. But then I thought, well, why not make it more fun and just ask the dungeon master, couldn't I try to commission with downtime days and connections that we have in Waterdeep and stuff that somebody could create or make or we could find or procure something that lets me basically cast this once per day. And then it's it's like having just one more spell, but it's nothing too crazy. And enlarge isn't that big of a you know, a spell jump or anything. Cause I just thought there's some shenanigans I want to have that I yeah. think would be fun with that. If I had it and I just feel like, Oh, this would be so good if I could get it. So we're going to see he, he's his eyes lit up. Anytime you ask your dungeon master to create you something unique going into it, you're not trying to not even min, but you're trying to max your output and you're trying to go for the great, mm-hmm. you know, the highest damage possible their eyes kind of glaze over when you try to bring them that kind of thing. But if you say, <laughs> I just want this quirky thing that I think would be fun. It'll add some flavor. It does have some utility, but it's not going to break your campaign. It's not going to break the game. Yeah. Can we come up with something and you let their kind of creative juices start to flow because they get a hand in thinking about how could they get something that's cool? Cause they know your character too. And they know you've been working on this character and what their personality is and what their story has been over now more than a year it almost seems like or at least a year of playing mm-hmm. i think it's going to be fun for them so don't dismiss talking to your dungeon master and saying hey could we come up with something really cool that i could have crafters or people build and it could be part of a quest it could be, take some time i'm not going to get it immediately type thing but i think we'll add to it and i think it adds a lot of fun to you and and it i think helps keep your dungeon master engaged because secret or um uh spoiler alert 
dungeon masters can sometimes get bored of their own campaign, start to lose interest of their own campaign, and start thinking way too much about starting a Transformers campaign <laughs> or, you know, some other games. And I don't know who that would be, but, you know, some it's all dungeon masters out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, well, how about you? Has anybody come and just asked you to create um, – I mean – it's still, to me, one of the coolest interactions me and you had originally mm-hmm. was when we were talking about, you know, your, your cleric to Leviatar and the the magic item you were going to get that was the whip that was part of yeah. the symbol and what it could do and things. And I just thought that's such a cool interaction to have and something to always go back to that nothing else in the campaign we might remember, but we mm. remember that. Or oh, I yeah. remember that. Huh. And, like, how that magic item worked, because, like, I would take extra damage to do extra damage and stuff, and it was all themed yeah. to the Lady of Pain. Yeah. 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 And we collaborated kind of on what it would do and how it would work and how it would look, and it was mm-hmm. like, I knew I didn't want it to be too powerful, but I wanted it to be thematic, but it still was cool enough that you'd want to use it and do it, and mm-hmm. you know, you'd had all, you know, input on it, too. So I just think it was a cool interaction between... You know, two people are playing that game. Don't always think that they're just on the other side of the screen. Yeah. So you don't get to do those kinds of cool things. You know, you can still. I would say, especially other dungeon masters, because I have players who are just like, I just want you to give me my thing. How does it work? But like, I know when I'm running other dungeon masters, if I'm just like, hey, like, how do you want this to work? They're like, oh, what? I get to have input, you know? And so the people that like to have input into games, it's really cool. So. Yeah. So that's been great. I'm excited for that to come up again. Um, and then basically, right, I went and was at my game store again, and I picked up some more uh, on-sale books that people had returned. You know, our store takes in old games and stuff. So I picked up Sentinel Comics, the role-playing game, which okay. I love. This book is filled with artwork that is some of the best in in the world for me. I what love are Sen- superhero Is Sentinel comic Comics books. a brand of comics that I don't know about? They are, I think they started out as like a car computer game that was based about playing like a card game. And then they turned it into a role playing game. And then it got turned into a TTRPG game, I think. People can correct me. I got to play this at Gen Con and it was a really fun system. Um, The way that your powers and things are based off of different dice. So you use lots of different dice depending on what your powers are. It's a very just great um, superhero system that's very different than most of the other ones that are out there as far as the rule system. Very colorful. Um, it talks about how to create you know, your scenes and your trackers and all that kind of stuff. Like all the character sheets are always really super colorful, and I just found it a really cool um, game. And I've always wanted the – I got the quick start rules back when they were developing them mm-hmm. a year or two ago, and now I have finally the, the actual full book, which is cool. And then I picked up one other thing because I thought, hey, they had it on sale. It is a Wrath and Glory Warhammer 40K starter set oh, cool. to play the Wrath and Glory RPG. So it has six characters in there. It's got game dice. I think it's a two. I think it's a D6 pool system of some sort. It's got battle maps and tokens, and it's got an adventure in there. And I thought, hey, this might be a cool way. I mean, I always like thinking about how how does a starter set introduce you to the game mm-hmm. and one of the ideas when i saw this i was like i wonder if i could make a video on how well does the starter set indoctrinate me into this game and this this rule set and, and you know 
do I feel like I want to play more after it? Was it easy to pick up and explain to other people when I don't know anything about it because I've never played it? I always, I always like to understand how these you know starter sets work and if they're they really do the job well. So I think that's going to be a video I want to put out pretty quick. And then in the notes, I was just going to talk about Goblin Slayer and Transformers if we had not filled up our time, but we obviously probably did. But I did want to mention that Transformers was, I put it in the notes there, um, the Essence 20 system. I know somebody told us that last week, but it's basically a D20 and then you get a skill die that you add to that. And you're trying to get over a DC of 1 to 30 or whatever the, the dungeon So I have like a D20, but a D6 skill die or something, and you roll them together. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. And there might be some other pluses or modifiers in there, but yeah. that's the basic system. And then Goblin Slayer is a 2D6 system, but you start with your focus, your skill level, or your class level, and then your skill gives you maybe a, a number of like 5 or 7 or 6, then you roll your 2d6 to add to that, and you're trying to roll above it. So it's a 2d6 plus, you know, your skill stuff, too. And I'm very interested in reading this one. This book is so different than how all the other TTRPGs are laid out, how they explain things. It's just a very different way to read a, a role-playing tabletop game, and I'm enjoying it just because it's different. Cool. And I don't know yeah. anything about Goblin Slayer or the anime or anything. I haven't watched it or anything, but it just grabbed my eye. It's all not even colors. It's just it's just a different read, a different way to do something. I just that's why I really like it, and I'm hoping to bring more information to you guys on it as I go through them because I'm just so excited on all these new games and stuff that we're getting to play yeah. and come out and play around with. So yeah, I still I think I was talking about it with you, but also with Lex, where I I really want to go back to that idea of I make a a character for a system I don't know very well to like understand yeah. how the system works. And exactly. that's something I still want to do where it's like, okay, Jordan makes a character for Goblin Slayer, you know, and Jordan, so. the character creation, I made this a note in transformers shocked me how cool it was. Okay. I want to do this with you at some point where I, sit I should down and I'll, explain I'll, I'll look how into the they do it. And see if I can pick up transformers. That'd be fun. Yeah. Because I think this is a cool way of doing um, character creation. And what I liked about it, let me, there was just this one thing I was going to read out of it. So the very first step of character creation is discuss with your GM and other players the character you're thinking about creating. Imagine that, Jordan, being your first step to character <laughs> creation. <laughs> talk <laughs> about it. You're going to talk to your party, <clears throat> you're going to talk to your GM, and then you're going to go and do your concept. You're going to figure out what your essence scores are. You're going to decide your influence, your origin, your role. And then you're going to describe what that character looks like and you're ready to form your team. What a cool way to kind of step out the steps. And I think as I was reading this, I was like, oh, I think Jordan would really get into this. Oh, yeah. And just the way it, the, the way they described it, you know, like you, you pick what you're kind of like what you do, but then you pick your chassis, right? So then you're picking, are you a car or a plane or, a, you know, these different types of chassis that might work. And then you still have more things to pick after that. that you, what's your role in the party? Are you a support? Are you a frontliner? Are you a mm -hmm. tank? Are you a damage dealer? That kind of thing. So it's a really cool way to... We never think of it that way, I don't think, in Dungeons & Dragons. Because Dungeons & Dragons, I think we all just think about a character we want to play. And then put it into whatever campaign and yeah. whatever the other party's going to do. We don't even know what they're creating. So we might come in with three warlocks all of a sudden because everybody decided they were all going to play warlocks. We just don't know because, I don't know, for me, D&D &D character creation, we don't 
um, collaborate as much as we do, it seems like, in other games. So. Yeah. I no, I and I think that's I, something I really love about it. Um, I We need to end this because I have to go no. to a hot spring <laughs> yes. and go swimming. Um, it's very exciting. Oh, but uh, thank you guys for watching and hanging out today. Uh, be sure to you know share all of this with other people. Share the podcast with people. Um, I will be getting Great Mode Ron March uh, podcasts up on Patreon soon. Um, otherwise, you should t- check out uh, Nerd Immersion Plays to watch those videos because it's super fun. We have a lot of fun with those games. Um, anything else before we take off, sir? Nope, I'm going to go troubleshoot my yeah, other camera. Fix your camera, all that stuff. Or and just keep using this lunch. one because apparently you look amazing. <laughs> I look <so>. amazing. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, like thank you camera. so much. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning d show. Bye, guys.